everyone. I am your substitute teacher this evening for Bible study. Professor Pastor Paul is away this week, so I get the high honor of being with you for Bible study. So thank you for letting me talk about a psalm with you guys. You are in my classroom. <laughs> this is actually the space that I used when I was in school, quarantine school, with my two kids from March through May. As you can see, their artwork, their projects over the course of the couple of months. And so I thought it was a few better, more fitting spaces to have a Bible study class with you guys this evening. So I know that Paul and David have been doing a tag team of sorts over the last few weeks, where on Wednesday night, Paul will preach on the text that David is going to preach the next Sunday. Who am I to read in the will? We're going to do the same thing this evening. On Sunday, David is going to preach from Psalm 119, verses 105 through 112. It's the lectionary passage for the Sunday, and that's why um, David's going to be taking it on Sunday. And I don't yet know what he's going to proclaim to us from that word. But I do know that he has titled the sermon, The Expansive Word of God. And I think the title is absolutely fitting because Psalm 119 is 176 verses that all deal with God's word in its many, many forms. These verses deal with how the psalmist clings to God's word during times of trouble, and it also enumerates the very concrete and abstract ways that God's word is available and is a help for those who call upon it and trust upon it. So, since we're doing a Bible study to study God's word, all about a text that is about God's word, let's get to it. I want to start with some background information about Psalm 119 before we dive into this particular text from the snippet of Psalm 119, because this is only a tiny snippet. This is only eight verses of the 176 verses that make up the longest chapter in our entire Bible. Not only is it the longest chapter of our entire Bible, it is a highly elaborate an artistic creation that really does need our attention to understand it. So, I've already said, Psalm 19 is 176 verses long, and that's intentional. So sometimes we think of the Psalms in our Psalter as songs that might have been sung in corporate worship, either by the entire community as a hymn or by an individual. And sometimes we think of the Psalms in our Psalter as prayers that one person pins to express what they're, they're, they're feeling or the, what's on their heart and they want to express to God, or a, a prayer that is pinned for, on behalf of the entire community. Much like we do now when we say prayers behind our whole pulpit um, for the entire congregation. So that's how we, I think, typically view the Psalms in our Psalter. But sometimes the Psalms in our Psalter poems, purely so. And Psalm 119 is clearly one of those poems. So think about when you were in school and you were learning about poetry. Do you remember ever learning about or playing around with acrostic poems? Acrostic poems are those poems where each line of the poem is intentionally starts with a certain letter to make a greater point. So, for example, Here's a pretty basic one. 
So, spring, sunny days, plants, awakening, raindrops on roof, interesting clouds, new flowers, gray, winter, no more. All right. This is a pretty simple example of an acrostic poem, but you might remember these from grade school. So the entire poem is about spring, aspects of spring, but each line starts with the letter of the word spring, S-P-R-I-N-G. It's an example of acrostic. You might have made these with your name when you were in elementary school, or you made some more complicated ones as you got in high school. Psalm 19 is probably the most complicated acrostic I have ever come across. It's pretty impressive. So what happens in Psalm 119 is that the 176 verses are divided into 22 stanzas. Each stanza is eight verses. And the first letter of each verse all starts with the same letter. Not only that, but the first eight verses, the first stanza, all start with Aleph, the very first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The second stanza, the second eight verses, all start with the letter Bet. And the third stanza, the third eight verses, all start with the letter Gimel, the first three letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So A, B, C. Aleph, Bet, Gimel. So because there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, there are 22 stanzas of eight verses that all add up to the total 176 verses in the Psalm 19. So think about how dedicated the psalmist had to be to this acrostic form. Try just for a second to think about creating a poem this long in English with our English alphabet. Can you think of eight lines that all start with the letter X? How about eight lines that all start with the letter Z? So yeah, it would have been the same in Hebrew because some of their letters are just as cumbersome and tricky as some of the letters that we have. Sure, you would have no problem with finding eight lines that all begin with B or eight lines that all begin with C, but good luck on X. So not only that, not only does Psalm 119 have 22 stanzas that all that each stanza begins with a letter of the alphabet in order, but every single stanza deals with one subject, God's word. There are eight synonyms that are used over and over and over again throughout Psalm 19 for God's word. Now, not all of them, not all eight occur in each stanza, but each stanza possesses at least six of those eight. So not only do we have an elaborate acrostic that uses the Hebrew alphabet for every stanza, but every stanza deals with one topic. 
Because of that, if you've ever read Psalm 119 in entirety, it might have been a little hard to stay focused. It's repetitive. It repeats those same eight words for word so many times, and it's dealing with that as its primary subject. It is pretty common to feel that this song is dry or boring or just drones on. And because of that, we typically break off the psalm into chunks that are kind of more manageable and so that we can appreciate some of the really true, truly beautiful ideas that are in this whole psalm. So I'm not going to fault you if you feel that way about Psalm 19, but we do miss some of the overall effect of the psalm. So first, one of the effects is that if you read verse after verse after verse after verse, that all affirms the existence of God's word, often with the same word appearing over and over again, you begin to see the psalm, it begins to work almost like a meditation. There's something immensely soothing about this sort of poetry. There's a scholar, his name is John Levinson, and he argues that the repetition of Psalm 119, it creates a sort of psychological condition. I'm going to quote what he says, because I really like it. He says, It seems likely that the psalm was written to serve as an inducement for the kind of revelation and illumination for which it petitions. Its high degree of irregularity and repetition can have a mesmerizing effect upon those who recite it, with the octet of synonyms functioning like a mantra and providing a relaxing predictability while banishing thoughts that distract from the object of contemplation. Second, reading verse after verse after verse, moving through the alphabet, reinforces the notion that God's word applies to everything from A to Z, or from Aleph to Tav, if you're going through the Hebrew alphabet. This really is expansive and all-encompassing. But there really are some beautiful ideas and snippets within Psalm 119. And I want us to focus just to read a few of them because we're not going to have time to really dive into them, but I want us to get them in our heads. So consider verses 9 through 16. You could read along with me if you have your Bibles. We're Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. How can young people keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Do not let me stray from your commandments. I treasure your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the ordinances of your mouth. I delight in the way of your decrees as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Or I like verses 49 through 50. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my distress that your promise gives me life. I'm going to read one more that I love, although I love so many of these. But verses 89 through 93. The Lord exists forever. Your word is firmly fixed in heaven. 
Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand today for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my misery. For I will never forget your precepts, for you by them have given me life. Yeah, those verses will preach. So Psalm 19, 119 is a highly artistic ode to God's word. But it's also surprisingly an individual lament. Woven throughout all of these bold and beautiful claims about the psalm, about what God's word is and God's statutes and God's law, it's also an ongoing cry of the author, an individual, for God to deliver him from something that is clearly devastating. It starts, the lament begins with verse 19, which says, I live as an alien in the land. Do not hide your commandments from me. But the theme of persecution or some sort of hard time is, is throughout. I'm only going to read a few of them, but there really are a lot. Verse 28, for example, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Or verse 61. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. And consider verses 84 through 88. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The arrogant have dug pitfalls for me. They flout your law. All your commandments are enduring. I am persecuted without cause. Help me. They have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love, spare my life so that I may keep the decrees of your mouth. These are just a few examples. For the entire psalm, it flips back and forth between crying out for help and then clinging to the hope and promise that God's word gives. So consider the effect of a poem that only spoke about the goodness and the wonders of God's word. That poem, in, for me, would be lovely and comforting and inspiring. But then consider a poem that speaks of the goodness and wonders of God's word while also lamenting to God about how hard things are. Now that poem suddenly becomes this multi-layered onion that will challenge and comfort and reorient, reorient and shift perspectives. In other words, that's on the breach. And that's what we have with Psalm 119. So, finally, we have arrived at the snippet, the pericope, of eight verses for today. Welcome back. Sorry, that transition might have been a little strange, but I moved you in a little closer. I wrote the text on the screen, so I paused for a minute to do that because I'm a visual person. I want to be able to see the text. I want to be able to play with it, work with it. So that's why I kind of paused this for a second and changed things around. Hope you don't mind. But this is our eight, our eight verses that we're dealing with for um, the pericope for today. And this is the noon stanza of Psalm 119. 
So remember, each stanza starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and this stanza, every single, the first word of every single line begins with a Hebrew letter nun, or kind of our equivalent for the N sound, which, if you're just curious, it's just kind of like that. Yeah. So let's read Psalm 119, verses 105 through 112. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to observe your ordinances, excuse me, to observe your righteous ordinances. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your decrees are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The first thing I want to do is I want us to look at all the different words that is used for word in our prophecy. So first we have word. Your word. So went to my feet and a light to my path. And the next verse we have ordinances. The next verse, we have word again. And then the next one, ordinances. Next verse, law. Next, precepts. The next one, decrees. And the final verse is statutes. So our English translation of this text renders the words that use for word as word, ordinances, word, ordinances, law, precepts, decrees, statutes. And our English translation really does do a decent job of showing the differences. Because remember, I said that there are eight synonyms for word that is used all throughout Psalm 119. And most of them use at least six. This um, stanza uses six. This first one is the Hebrew word devar, devar, which is the typical word that you find in the Hebrew language for word. And it's used twice. It's used in our verse here, and it's also used um, down with, give me life, O Lord, according to your word. It's the same word in the Hebrew language. Then we have another duplication of our second and fourth verses with observe your ordinances and teach me your ordinances. These are the Hebrew word mishpatim, which is the plural form of the Hebrew word mishpat, which means judgments. So um, this is basically to observe your, your judgments and teach me your judgments. Then I hold my life in my hand continually. That's verse 109. This word law that it uses is the word Torah. So it means law, but it can also be understood as maybe teaching or instruction. And then in verse 110, this word precepts is the Hebrew word pikudim. Verse 111, our English translation of decrees is for the Hebrew word um, edot. And then finally in 112, statutes is the Hebrew word chokim. So there are six different Hebrew words for an aspect of God's word that are used here. And the English reflects that because it has six different synonyms, word, 
ordinances, law, precepts, decrees, and statutes. So as you can see, we're not talking about just one static understanding of what God's word is. We're talking about something that's definitely like multi-layered. It's varied. It's got a lot of different components to what God's word is that the psalmist is, is appealing to. Now, I want to look to see how he describes this word because we have some descriptions of God's word at the beginning and at the end. So the psalmist says that this word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And then at the end, we come back to describing God's word again. And it says it is my heritage forever and the joy of my heart. So this word, ordinances, law, precepts, decrees, statutes, the psalmist understands these to be a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, heritage forever, and the joy of my heart. The next thing I want us to look at is what is going on with the psalmist. Because remember, it said that Psalm 119 is not just um, an ode to God's word and how extensive it is and what's going on with God's word, but it's also a lament. In every single stanza, we have um, verses about the, the psalmist crying out for some reason. So what's going on with the psalmist here? We have three things that are kind of happening. One, the psalmist is severely afflicted. We don't know why, we don't know what that means, but the psalmist is afflicted. Second, the psalmist holds his life in his hand continually. It's kind of a strange verse. It's a little um, opaque, but the idea that it's conveyed is if you're holding your life in your hands continually, there's, there's something precarious about the situation of your life. Could slip through your hands at any point. You're always having to, to handle it. Um, so life is precarious for some reason. And we know that the wicked have laid a snare for the, the psalmist. So the psalmist is suffering for some reason. He's afflicted. His life is precarious. The wicked have laid a snare for him. So I want us to now look at what it is that the psalmist is hoping God or God's word will do. So the things that he's asking to happen, he's like, this is God's word. God's word, ordinances, law, precepts, decrees, statutes. These things, they're a lamp, they're a light, they're my heritage, they're my joy. And I'm going to call on these things, these aspects of God's word, because I am afflicted so that God will give me life, accept my offerings, and teach me. So when you look at the basic, just what's happening in the text, you see a multi-layered, multi-varied understanding of what God's word is. You see a really high belief and understanding of the value of that and what it can do. And what the psalmist is, is, is seeking and wanting during his time of affliction and precarious life and being snared by the wicked is for him to have life given by God's word from God for his offerings to be accepted in spite of the affliction that he's experiencing and to be taught, 
to be continually fed more of these ordinances, more of this word that is clearly such an important lamp to his feet, a light to his path, his heritage, his joy, even in spite of the trials and tribulations that he's experiencing and expressing right here in these impassioned words. So that's our pericope for today. It's part of a really complicated and artistic and beautiful song that this is just one, one part of it, but it's a pretty interesting um, snippet. It's a good example of what's happening in the song as a whole. You see in, in a beautiful ode and testimony to what God's word is, what it can be and what it can do, what kind of actual deliverance it can, it can bring. But the psalm is also an impassioned plea, a cry in the midst of some sort of real pain. So thanks for being with me this evening. I hope this was helpful to you. I would love to leave some comments, some things that you have thought about. Maybe you disagree with something. Maybe you agree with something. I'd love to hear that. Or I'd love to hear how this might be turning some wheels in your head and where your, your mind is going um, in response to some of the thoughts from, from today. That helps me so much to get into the word even more and understand it better. So feel free to share that if you can. But if not, I hope to see you in person soon. We can talk, maybe talk about Psalm 119. Thanks so much. You'll have a lovely evening.